Hey, entrepreneurs, we have a great episode in line for you with Merit Khan. She has been working with salespeople and developing a system for onboarding salespeople for 20 years. In this episode, you're gonna learn about her definition for emotional intelligence that I personally feel is absolutely spot on. There are three elements of mindset that she walks us through, talks about the relationship between assertiveness and empathy. Believe it or not, there is a relationship between the two and there's a balance. She talks about providing evidence of values and culture and many tips along the way including she gives away the four magic words that transform, which is a keynote speech of hers. Here's Merit Khan. Hey, Merit, happy to have you on the Entrepreneurs United podcast. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Um, as I, you just hopped on and we were talking off of the recording, you are all over the place on the internet between websites and programs and uh, very accomplished. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, where you are today with what you offer and then maybe a little backstory on how you got there? Well, absolutely. I could do that. And thanks for noticing that we're everywhere. I have a great team at Select Sales Development. So we are, <laughs> we, we are, it's a team effort to make sure all of that happens. Otherwise, I would never get any sleep. Um, so I am the CEO of Select Sales Development and we spell it S E L L E C T. Um, but we actually teach people how to stop selling and start getting selected. Huh? Huh? I love it. I like I love it. it. Good, right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, most of our clients are really uh, very, very good at what they do, but they're frustrated because they they know they're experts in their field, they're the best in the business, and then they watch the guy down the hall get more business than they do because they're just not as confident in that sales process to grow uh, new accounts or to grow existing business. And so that's where we play. That's our specialty. Um, I've been doing this for more than 20 years. And uh, before COVID, I was speaking at a lot of conferences. I would be the opening keynote or a breakout session, um, doing deep dives into a lot of our training uh, content. And you know, it's uh, now that things are coming back, um, that is opening up again. So it's something that I love to do is just to be on that leading edge to help people really see that more is possible for themselves as an entrepreneur, for their business, for the people that they employ or give them. It's just, it's something that I'm really passionate about as an entrepreneur for more than 20 years myself. And most of my business has really been helping other entrepreneurs. That's great. And is your niche on the sales side or does it also expand into whole business consulting, that type of thing? Uh, I would definitely use me as your sales expert. So growing sales, expanding on existing business relationships. Um, that's really our sweet spot. I also really am helpful for companies when they're in a growth phase and they're adding new salespeople to their team. Um, I have systems and tools I've worked with and our team does a great job with assessments to help people avoid really costly hiring mistakes. And then um, sort of a, a little offshoot genius zone that I developed over a really long time that um, wasn't anything that I studied or set out to do, but I had some clients early on that asked me um, to help them get their new salespeople up to speed really quick. And at that time, the only thing I had to offer them was, okay, we'll just put them in my sales training class. Like, what else can I do for you? Um, and they said, yeah, 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 we'll of course do that, but we want to get them up to speed with our values and how we communicate internally and our policies and procedures and not, not so much just all the HR compliance things, but how to really feel like they're part of the team as fast as possible so that they can really be working in their role. And, and as you know, a salesperson, um, you know, until they start generating business, they're just a cost. So yep. the, the shorter a time frame we can get from, you know, learning where the restroom is to closing a deal, the better. And so I developed um, a, a really good system for how to train companies in how to 
develop and onboard sales professionals really quickly to shortcut that process. And I've got, you know, over the years, it's turned into templates and checklists and a really well um, documented process that I can just hand to a client and then we are just customizing it. So it's, it's almost like I've done all the heavy lifting and then we're just kind of tweaking it, which is such a blessing for a lot of companies that literally don't have any idea how to bring a new person into their organization. So yep. I would love to dig in on some of the system, but before I do, I would love before that to hear your shameless plug for your sales experience. Cause I know I've heard from a number of entrepreneurs that don't want to hear just the theory that someone's espousing because they read 10 books and combined it in a unique way. Can you give us a shameless plug on your personal sales experience success? Early in my career, I was um, I was working in radio advertising business. I had a lot of success early on. They called me the pit bull of the office. I mean, as soon as I sunk my teeth into an opportunity, you, you were buying, you just didn't know it yet. And because I was, you know, that followed the the typical path that you hear, like salesperson, early success. Um, let's make that person a manager. So I was a very young sales manager. Uh, I had no uh, no concept of what a good sales manager really would do. And I put myself in a sales management training course, and I learned everything that I needed to learn. And I was able to develop a sales force from scratch. I made all of my mistakes, hiring and firing. Um, but it was in that management role that I discovered that all the things that I liked about everything I did day to day had to do with growing and developing people and helping them achieve more for themselves, which made me look better. And it had nothing to do with the radio business. Mm -hmm. So I started my, I, I joined forces with that training organization and I worked with them for almost a dozen years. And then um, I got a little bit frustrated because the, the, the line in that organization at that time was don't get creative, just do our system. Mm -hmm. And that was tough for me because any entrepreneur will, you know, uh, uh, relate to we're creative and yeah. we're always wanting to improve on where, where we are. And so I really started studying things like emotional intelligence and cultural transformation. And I felt like the more I learned and expanded my knowledge, the more I had to offer my clients, the more I had to, uh, I, I was able to meet them where they are, as opposed to just try to fit all of their sales challenges or business growth challenges into the one system that I was trained to teach. Mm -hmm. And that really, I think, gave me a lot of my edge. And so instead of just teaching the mechanics of selling and you know, what to do to be in motion, like the actions and behaviors you need to do consistently to grow your business. I was able to add a whole component, you know, a real success sales mindset, which is something that I think is very unique in the marketplace where, you know, we often don't know what our blind spots are, the, the, the ideas and the messaging that we, we say to ourselves and how we operate in the world and some of the, the things that are up happening below the surface, like your level of empathy and assertiveness makes a big difference in your ability to execute something you might learn in a sales training course. Um, I can give you more examples about that, but I, I think that mindset piece is something that I'm very proud of. And I think something that so many of my clients over the years have pointed to as a real differentiator to any other programs and also a compliment. So I've worked with a lot of companies that, you know, we do spin selling, we do solution selling and they're, they're really, they're all in on that methodology. And I think, great, I'm not going to, I'm not here to undo that. Let's complement that because the one piece that those programs don't offer is a peek into your mindset. And let's layer that on and, and add that to what you're learning so that all of the things you've invested in training people on the mechanics of selling can work for you that much better. And I've had a lot of success going in as a complement to other sales training systems that people use. 
And I'm sure some of that compliment comes back to, you had mentioned emotional intelligence and in some of your studies there. When you teach emotional intelligence, do you have a, a simple definition? Because I feel like it's very commonly misunderstood or it's, you know, three paragraphs of words for somebody to describe it. Uh, do you have a definition that uh, somebody could take note on and it'd be memorable and rather concise? Yes. Let me simplify it for you. Um, Emotional intelligence is really how well you understand your own emotions and the impact that they have on other people. That's, that's the best definition of emotional intelligence I've come across. And I feel like mindset is really composed of three parts so when I talk about and train and work with my co- my clients on having a strong business development mindset, that first part is an internal mindset, right? So that's what you say to yourself. And that has to do with all the beliefs that you have about money and decision makers or what is a lot of money and who you're comfortable talking to. And it's a lot of that scripting that we grew up with that operates in the background and we've never really taken a look at it. So we don't get to redecide what works for us and what might be sabotaging us in an entrepreneurial way. Um, the second piece is what I call your behavioral mindset. And many of your listeners are going to be familiar with disc profiles and, you know, kind of like your personality style. So that's how your what your actions say to other people. Right. So internal mind is what you say to yourself. Behavioral mind is what your actions say to other people. And then underlying all of that is really what I consider your emotional mindset. And that is how that that emotional uh the the triggers that we all have, how well we can understand what's triggering us, what might trigger someone else, and how we can manage the emotions in a situation because business development, sales is emotional. You know, people might make decisions intellectually, but they are buying because there's an emotional reason for them to make that purchase. And we need to understand our own emotions and help them manage theirs if we're going to be effective in a selling, you know, scenario. Um, can I, maybe a, a good example would be helpful with that? Sure. Okay. Yeah, please. So, um, and I hate to go back. I think we're all sort of pandemic out at this point, um, but it is a universal shared experience. So I'll grab it for an, a quick example. Um, in the beginning of the pandemic, if you think back to how we all felt back in you know, March, April, May of 2020, we're all, there was all this uncertainty swirling around and we just didn't know what we didn't know at that time. And so I did a lot of um, virtual training for people about the relationship between empathy and assertiveness, two attributes in combination with each other. You could say like, it's really good to be empathetic and it might be really bad to be assertive, overly assertive. But that combination, no matter what I trained you to say back in that pandemic, you know, experience, you might be on the phone with a prospect or a client and say, you know, oh, it's so tough out there. Why don't we just, even if you had something that was really helpful for them in that moment, you would say, I'm I'm so sorry. We're all, you know, you're dealing with this. Why don't we touch base in six months and see where you're at? That's high empathy, low assertiveness. Now, if you if you tip the scales the other way and your high assertiveness, low empathy in that same conditions of the marketplace, you're kind of a jerk because probably what you're saying is, you know, pandemic, pandemic, you know, like I got this thing to sell, you know, this is going to help you. And, and it comes off too aggressive. Yep. So where you really want to play is a balance. So in that way, it would sound like, hey, um, you know, it's really challenging. Uh, none of us know what's happening. I'll tell you what, why don't we have a conversation if you're open to it about something that is within our control? And let's just work on this one challenge that you're having because there is a solution that we might be able make be very appropriate for us to help you with. And I think let's just zero in on that one piece. Would that be okay? Mm-hmm. And that's being assertive because I, I do have something that can help, but it's also being empathetic to where they are in in the world at the moment. And, and I did a lot of work over the, that first year of the pandemic, even to present day, um, really helping people understand where they are 
um, right now, and then how to balance things out so that they can be more effective in their in their entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, Merritt, it strikes me that it, I want to recap what I believe I understand your business to be, and let me see I, if I got this right. <laughs> Where performance mindset comes in. Uh, it, it's absolutely a key word today, whether you're a professional athlete, whether you're a CEO of a company, whether you're a sales rep, where, where, wherever you fall in your profession, performance mindset is such a big thing. And what you're taking is the performance mindset attributes of, you mentioned you know, your internal mindset, your behavioral mindset, your emotional mindset, which then takes us to emotional intelligence, takes a whole bunch of different areas. And you're applying those to the field of sales and sales executives. And whether they're following spin selling or this methodology or that methodology, that doesn't really matter because what you're really talking about is how they're processing that or how the company's processing that from a performance mindset perspective and applying it to the sales strategy. Is that correct? Bingo, nailed it. Okay. Crap. <laughs> and so if you wanted to pivot tomorrow and said, I don't really like sales, I'm gonna now work with leaders of companies and how they can have performance mindset with their teams you would just pivot and take exactly the core of what you've studied and researched and learned about human nature and apply it to that particular field. But you have a passion for sales. It's where you started. It's where you performed. It's an area you've developed such a strong expertise in that you, you help companies apply human nature, uh, mindset performance to the field of sales, whether that be onboarding them, helping them sell more products. That's my understanding. That's very well said. Um, I would say I would just add one layer on that leadership piece. You know, yep. the the leaders, entrepreneurs, professionals who would never in a million years consider themselves salespeople. Um, the thing that we need to do is we we're trying to be more influential with pe with other people. Yes. To be more influential with other people means we really have to have a deep understanding of everything that has influence over us. Sure. And that's why that mindset performance piece is so important specifically to sales and leadership is because those two areas are all centered on being influential. Yep. And so um, I, I actually um, am still working. I, I started working with this client, a national multi-million dollar organization with a leadership team of 60 executives. So that's just their that's just their leadership team. And they hired me. Initially, the project was going to be speaking at their um, annual event and, and doing some other sessions in between. Um, and then when the pandemic hit and everything kind of shut down, we switched gears and we ended up pivoting to, I think, what was a much better plan. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of accidental, honestly, that I did an emotional intelligence assessment for every one of those 60 leaders. And I did an individual debrief with every one of those 60 leaders. They all had something different, but we applied what the lessons that they learned from seeing how they were wired specifically to how do they measure, how do they manage effectively in a remote environment? Yep. How do they how do they maintain influence? How do they help their own people grow? So it wasn't very sales focused. It was definitely influence and leadership focused. Yeah. And, and now we've expanded that program. We're doing some other things. I've, it's been an ongoing, you know, we're coming into our second year, second full year of working together, third full year of working together. So um, there's a lot of application to the different things that I do, which yep. You know, for for good or better or worse, it's sometimes hard to explain. But sure. there's, um, but I would say, you know, entrepreneurs or people, you know, leading companies in growth mode yes. is, you know, that's where you want to kind of say. And I've had people start conversations with me like, "I heard you on a podcast. I'm not exactly sure how or if we would work together, but I liked what I heard. Here's what's happening in my world." Yeah. Is this anything that would be in your wheelhouse? And I've had many conversations like that. Yeah. And some of them I'm like, you know what? I, I hear where you're at. That is not my genius zone. I have a resource for you and mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, work with somebody who I, I'm not a good fit for sure. and other people, you know, we've gone on to have other conversations and mastermind different ways that I can be helpful or, or, 
you know, someone yep. on my team can work. So well, let me help. Let me help if I can. I think I got, I think I'm, I'm seeing exactly where your business comes in. And let me, let me try this. If you're listening to this podcast and your company is growing and you view hiring salespeople as a cost and therefore you're not doing it, you should call merit. <laughs> yes. Perfect. <Right? laughs> because I've been there before. I've been there before, Rich. You've been there before. You're running a business. You're 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 looking at your budget and what you got going on, and you you want to grow, but you don't want to hire that sales rep. And the reason you don't want to hire that sales rep is it may take a year for that sales rep to give you a return. And ooh, that's a cost. I don't know if I want to do that. And you probably haven't perfected something you said. Develop a system to onboard salespeople quickly so you can get a return on your investment. Right. How exactly do you do that? Now you talked a little bit about coming up with a format system and a checklist. So do you go in and assess a company's onboarding process and training process and go, okay, it's taking you, you know, six months to get this sales rep up to speed. What if we got them together in three and here's your savings and now this is a return on investment? How, how do you do that exactly? Not from the how do you do the checklist specifically? What is your system for doing that when you start working with a company? Yes, great question. So the first thing I do is I I take a a hard, cold, hard look at where you are right now. So yep. the conversation is, okay, great. You you just hired me in a sales role. Send me everything that that you would send to a new hire. I okay, want to so replicate the process, like hire yeah. me as the sales rep and show me if I'm coming to your company, what you're giving me. Exactly. Gotcha. I want to see the, I want to see the agenda for my first 90 days. I want to see you know, any email exchanges. I want to, I want to understand everything about the process. Show me your training manual, put me in your online court, whatever you have. Yep. And most people at that point go, it's a little deer in the headlights and they have, <laughs> right. Yep. It's, especially an entrepreneurial organization. Maybe they're hiring their first salesperson. They just yep. they haven't gone through this process. So yes. when I, so I first see where I'm starting from. The next piece of the puzzle is I give them um, a template that I've created all about the expectations that they have of somebody in that role. Okay. If you, how would you know that somebody is meeting your expectations or not? You have to first identify every expectation that you have, and this is a living document. It, you know, I I start you off because I've done this a hundred times, and sure. so here's all the things that you should expect of a top performing sales professional. Mm -hmm the things that they need to know, the um, actions they need to be able to take and the systems and tools they need to be able to use in your business, right? What, sure. what CRM do you use? What's your online meeting tool? Like all of it. Mm -hmm. And then you you break it down. And I've got a lot of the the words and the formulas already figured out. So if you mm -hmm. obviously you want to teach your new hire about the values and the culture of your business. So first you start with, here's my template of, you know, how you would have those discussions, how you would deliver that training piece about how long it takes. And then I help the leader in the organization or the HR person or the sales director or whoever I'm working with um, to customize for them. So it's much easier to, edit, then start from scratch. Yep. So I'm bringing you, here's all the possible expectations you might have. Let's delete the ones that don't fit. Let's edit the ones that are, are left. And then let's add the ones that are unique to your business or your industry. Yep. Um, and so they, they feel like they've got a lot more structure going in that way. Um, and then, you know, we look at, okay, how do you teach somebody the values of your organization, what your culture really is? Mm -hmm. And so we mastermind different ways to demonstrate evidence that like, if you say we're, you know, we're all about people, we're, you know, team, teamwork is important value here. Okay, great. Well, prove it. Yeah. What examples can you give me? Cause you got to articulate that to a new hire. You can't just say we're about teamwork. You know, that means the whole team greets them at the door on day one. And then yep. you can say, we're about teamwork. And that's why we're all here to welcome you the moment you walk in the door. And sure. it's like, bam, now you've got a, a sticky lesson. They'll never mm -hmm. forget you're about teamwork. Yeah, so exactly. I'm looking for ways to really develop a good program for a company so that, you know, sometimes we're, we're moving 
they I'm hired right before the new hire is starting. And we're just working like mad to be one or two steps ahead of the new, the new guy. Sure. Um, I've got a client like that now. That's not my recommendation, you know, build it before you need it. Sure. But, you know, in worst case scenario, you're hiring somebody in the next couple of weeks, like, call me, I'll figure it out for you, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about it too, like just the carrying cost of a non-producing sales rep is a hundred percent of their compensation and load and expenses. And, you know, we're talking 10,000 plus a month, you know, when you think about all the taxes and load and everything else, and depending on the role and the industry and whatever, I mean, for you to save them one, two, three, four, six months of waste as an incredible return on investment on, on hiring you. Can you give our audience a little taste of that? So I, if I was to ask you, when you on the average company you work with, how many issues are there with their onboarding training and management process of sales rep? You'd be like, there's probably hundreds. Like no one's got this licked, right? There's probably hundreds of, of things where they faulty or they're not doing it perfectly correct. If I was to say, let's give our listeners a return on investment of listening to this podcast and give them one, two, maybe three things that you could say, I'm sure you, you know, in my experience, no companies are really getting this right. Here's what you should do this afternoon to improve your hiring process and call me to get more. What would those two or three things be? Perfect. So the very first thing, the number one mistake companies make bar none is new hire comes in morning of the first day and they go straight to HR for paperwork. Mm, okay. Dear yep. God, please stop doing that. I know you've got to get your paperwork. You've got to dot I's yep. and cross T's and sign a bunch of stuff. Yep. Don't waste that first morning when your new hire is more enthusiastic than they will ever be and send them to the worst experience that they're going to have, especially a salesperson who is people oriented. Don't worry about that. You can do that after lunch. Nothing's going to happen. Um, the first thing, get that whole morning reoriented around people. And it's not just the boss. In fact, I would I would have do the lunch with the boss on day two or three. Let them get familiar with their colleagues, the people that they're gonna that they're gonna be work friends with. Because yep. the faster you can start to build those relationships, the the stickier that your 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 opportunity is for that new hire. Um, so that would be the first thing. And I would say the other thing is, you know, uh, lo- especially in, you know, we're still in the virtual world per se. So mm-hmm. if you're to the extent that you can get people together in human in person, um, that's always preferred, but do something to build team and camaraderie for that new hire right out of the gate. It's not extra, you know, invest in it, spend a little money on that. Um, because again, the sooner that they know and they're comfort comfortable going to colleagues on the team, they're, they're going to get up to speed quicker. So those would be sort of like the people things I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big mistake I've seen is um, not, not having some of the, the basics covered. Like, if you're new hire, this true story is so embarrassing, but like probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, someone, I, I was doing a presentation for a CEO group and they were, we were kind of going around the room and everybody was telling me what they do on the first you know day or so of a new hire. And one guy says, well, the first thing that we do is we have them come in and, um, and build their desk. You know, we, we use Ikea desks and they, they build their desk. And I'm like, so are you uh is that like part of the job that they're doing like is that the test is yeah. that yeah like <laughs> what and he's like no no but and i go okay stop that immediately <laughs> like there's can you imagine walking in on your first day and they're like okay not just like here's your office space but here's the box <laughs> and a little wrench thing and your you have chair. to go yeah. like no so I've seen that, that would take that would take me the whole day. My whole first day would be burnt. <laughs> right? No, it wouldn't take you the first day because you know what would happen? You'd get to about the third instruction on the desk and you'd be like, yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, there's other other places. And especially in this marketplace, you know, you can't do that stuff. So I know that's a huge extreme example, yeah. but um, but button down those Have little the basics things. covered. 
have some business cards ready for them, even if, even though we're all digital, but there's something nice about holding, touching it, right? Like it says, Hey, we thought about this before the morning you arrived. <laughs> yeah, no um, doubt. I have one other like little quick, it's a little quick tip. It doesn't require any mm-hmm. work or it's just a reorganization and it's more sure. of a mindset play. Um, what day of the week do you think most new hires start? Monday. Exactly. That's terrible. Don't do that. Start them on a Friday if you can. Friday is all about people. It's all about culture. It's all, it's more relaxed vibe in the office. There's usually and a happy there's, hour. There's a happy hour. There's like <laughs> make a, make an event out of it. And then there's that natural break for the weekend. So you get somebody excited. You really celebrate their arrival. Yeah. They go home. They're excited for a couple of days. Love you it. know, and then they come back on a Monday. It's like, okay, Friday was a get to know you celebration. Now we're going to get down to business. And I can't tell you how many times I have given that little, little tweak. And every company that has taken me up on that idea has a hundred percent given me feedback that that was an amazing, easiest change they ever made. Total difference in how somebody um, got acclimated to their business. So simple. Love it. So simple. Everything yeah, else great. is very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Everything else has 18 steps. And, um, yeah. so with an entrepreneur audience who have a uh, variable skill sets, some of them are very into finances. Some of them are very into marketing. Um, what about the people who are not super salespeople who go, Merit, I don't want to be pushy about it. Merit, I don't, I don't want to do that tactic thing. I don't want to like manipulate people. So, you know, to go to a sales training, learn how to manipulate people, like my product should speak for itself. What do you, you know, say to them? Uh, well, I, first of all, say to them, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, I'd hate it when people try to sell me. I, I, I am so quickly repelled by that. And the last thing in the world I'd want to do is turn more people into someone who's doing that to other people. Like, no, um, that's literally why we named the business select because we don't want you to be pushy and aggressive. We want you to ask good questions, establish rapport, um, meet people where they are so that they have a good opportunity to select to do business with you. Um, And that's, you know, so I don't know why I have um, been popular in this category, but I have worked with many, many engineers, um, engineering manufacturing companies. I have zero engineering background. There is not a engineering bone in my body. But I have learned a lot about bearings and shafting and vibratory equipment. I mean, like I've done a lot to to learn. But what's fascinating to me is I've been able to train engineers with no sales background, no desire to be in a sales role. But I've, I've, I've learned how to teach them to use their expertise to ask great questions so that essentially they're not selling anyone anything, but because they've asked good questions that make their prospects and clients think deeper and differently about their challenge, that prospect has an opportunity to see, oh, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about or gal, right? Like this, like this person is wicked smart and I need them on my team. I need to work with them. I need to buy what they've got. I need their solution. And it's not about learning a technique or a manipulative tactic. It's about learning how to infuse your expertise with some good questioning strategies so that you're having a meaningful conversation with people that can make a real difference for them. Mm. John, do you remember in the late 90s, you and I went to a, uh, I think it was a Peter Lowe uh, something success thing. And do you happen to remember Tom Hopkins was there? I do. And do you happen to remember the, 
uh, audio tapes. I think I think we either shared or you bought some of one and I bought some of another. But and Tom Hopkins, I remember one of the things that we were taught there because he comes from car sales side. And this is like the manipulation side, right? And this is a type of stuff that was taught 20 years ago or 25 years ago now is like the tie down, right? At the end of making an assertion, you would tie someone down. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And he would teach that type of thing. And it was like this type of, you know, verbal jujitsu that you would enact on someone. You certainly weren't doing it with them and you certainly weren't asking a whole lot of questions. So I'm happy to hear you don't teach uh, manipulation, like what John and I uh, are, have tried to forget over the last 25 years Uh, (laughs) and that you teach good questions. But I also come back to how, like, if you're going to teach somebody, like, how do you ask good questions? I know there's it's probably not new to our listeners. There's open questions and there are closed questions. And here, like beyond that, how do you frame good questions? Well, the first thing is uh, I, I, I teach, and this is my, one of my most requested keynote topics now is the four magic words that transform and then fill in the blank sales, leadership, everything. And <clears throat> It's the different, let me give you an example. So if I were to ask you, hey, are you interested in learning about all the services I offer? What's your probable response? Yes. No. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go with Rich on this one. No, the average person, like the the average person, you know, I'm walking by the mall and I got something to do and they're like, hey. Can I tell you a little oh, bit about what no, I do? Absolutely no, not. not interested. I right, got not, something I got. No, not, okay, I'm no with you. Not interested. Okay. Yes. So it, because when I say, are you interested in something? It's very, I'm setting you up. It's yeah. easy for you to say, no, you're not interested. Now, if I were to ask you, are you open to having a conversation about what I might do to help? Not, not as the opener, but <laughs> but yes, that is much more inviting than are you interested in uh, that are you interested in poses much more of a yes or no are you open to nobody wants to present themselves as being closed exactly and by the way for those that are not on YouTube over Meredith or uh, Merritt's left shoulder she has a pillow that says are you open to so tell us more about that to start with. And I want to hear the other magic words, but tell us more about, are you open to why you went there and why you have a pillow in the background with that? <laughs> well, those are the four magic words. That's are it. you open to? It's as Boom. simple as that. Um, and the reason I have the pillow in my background is because I, I'm on you know virtual meetings all day and I want people, when they see me, I want to remind, I want them to look at my screen and remind themselves that they're open to hearing what we are really discussing, open to sharing with me the real issues the so that we can cut past the fluff and really have a straightforward conversation. It's also, honestly, I mean, a lot of times I'm looking in the camera um, or I'm looking at the person I'm talking to and they're a little square, but sometimes I catch a glance at myself and it reminds me to be open to what they're sharing and, and who they're being and what they need in the moment. And that it's not about me, right? I'm staying open to be open for them. That's, that's another reason why it's, you know, selling is not about us making our goals and, you know, accomplishing our objectives. It's about being a solution for our, our ideal audience, right? For, you know, how can... I, I'm only going to be a, a solution for you if I've done a good job up front to ask you questions so that we can discover for ourselves, both of us, that we are a match to help out. I don't, I don't want to waste my time with somebody who has a problem that I'm not suited for and they don't want to waste their time with me. So, but are you open to, I think really separates you know, one of those old school salespeople, like, you know, the, those Tom Hopkins back in the day and no, no shade to Tom Hopkins, like 20 years ago, that stuff worked. 
20 years ago, you could say, um, sorry, I, I didn't have a pen with me. Can I borrow one of yours? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, is Tuesday or Thursday better for you? I'm going to be in your area. The like, alternate choice clothes. I remember right, how we taught that. <laughs> right. Or the Ben Franklin clothes. Like, what would Ben Franklin do? You know, uh, what's the list of pluses and minuses? Like, you can't do that in, in today's day and age because we all grew up with that same train it's old it's out it, that it's antiquated it's like that'd be like me saying you know i'll fax you the invoice i'm not faxing you an invoice like no one does that it's old so um being interested is easy to say no to but to your point rich you you picked up on the fact that we don't want to identify ourselves as closed minded so i'm using psychology of uh speaking to the identity that you see for yourself. And if I can get you to a place where you, you first of all, get to feel good because just in those four words, I've established that you're an open-minded person. So you already feel good. I'm also opening your mind to the possibility of all of the things that I have to offer and to have a conversation I look at it like this and I'll try to walk you through it if you're just listening um, in auditory land. Um, but if you make a fist, say, make a fist with your left hand. And if you imagine that that is your prospect's mind, it's closed, right? There's nothing getting in. And all day long, we're, you know, if you put a, a $20 bill or $50 bill in your other hand and you're waving it around, and that represents the value that you bring in the marketplace. And all day long, you're like, waving this $20 bill around your closed fist. And it's like, I've got this, I've got that. I do online training and emotional intelligence and I've got keynotes and da, da, da. And I'm trying to jam my, my dollar bill into this closed fist, but I, I can't get it. So the first thing we want to do is open our client's mind, open our prospect's mind to receive our value. And so that's, that's the metaphor when I'm in front of people live and they can go through that. So, you know, if you open their fist, if you open your fist representing their mind, then you can lay that bill right on top. They're open to receiving. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to close every deal, but it means you have a shot because they've acknowledged that they're open to hearing what your solutions might provide. And an open mind is the very first step to a closed deal. Nothing oh, I love happened. that. And Thank I, I would, uh, I'd furthermore cut back the other way and say somebody that is closed minded, they weren't going to say yes anyway. So by starting with, are you open to, if somebody's not open to, uh, allow them to identify that up front and don't waste either of your time by doing much more conversation. They weren't open exactly. to it to begin with. And that's okay. No. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. That means exactly. they identified themselves as opting out really early in the process because it's a brilliant question. And thank you. It is. Um, so I had a great example for myself in my own business because I'm out there always practicing what I preach. But yesterday I had a conversation with someone. I'd done this webinar a couple of years ago. Guy signed up he was on my list. He's getting my messages. And I noticed that several people from his company had clicked on the link, right? Cause it's big brother world and we can all see what's going on behind the scenes. And that's how you know who you're going to call. Um, so I picked up the phone and I called the, you know, the VP of sales. And I said, look, I've had a lot of activity from this recent email that I sent. Um, several people in your department have, have clicked on it. Um, what's going on over there? Like, is there a sales situation? Like what's happening? We had this great conversation. I asked him, are you open to learning about some of the training and coaching and different things that we offer to support your team? And he said, you know, if you had called me six months ago, I probably would have been open to it, but we've just made a very big investment in another training methodology. And I, you know, I really, we're all in on that. And I said, great. I appreciate that you shared that with me. Um, are you open to hearing about how some of the emotional mindset pieces I've been able to deliver in as a compliment to the mechanics of, you know, the sales process that you're learning? And he said, well, tell me more about that. And so, you know, it, 
it was all out of, first of all, I have a very strong sales mindset. I, I see possibilities everywhere. I'm like that little kid in the sixth sense. Like I don't see dead people. I see sales possibilities everywhere. Um, and so I didn't like cave at the first thing that he said, like, no, we've just made this big investment. I said, well, if, are you open to learning about how I've worked with companies that are committed to a sales process, but this piece of it isn't usually part of it. Why don't I do a little homework on the methodology that you're using? And let me see if they've, if they've got this covered, we'll shake hands and part friends. No, you know, no hard feelings. I hope it all works well for you. And if, if it's not something that is part of their program, would you be open to having the conversation about how this would be a compliment? And he said, yeah, absolutely. I would have that conversation, especially because they made a big investment. So, you know, there's being open to is the start of everything. Mm. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I will sound like a broken record, but you know, you, you can't make a sale to a closed mind. You know, the, yep. the first step to a closed deal is an open mind. And that's, I think what I've in, uh, experienced over the 20 plus years I've been doing this is when we're trying to be pushy and convincing of how great our stuff is, it's because we're trying to get past that. I'm not open to hearing what you've got. We're trying to get past that closed mind. And being pushy and convincing has never been effective in getting someone to open their mind. But those four little words have been incredibly effective um, because people want to be open-minded. They want others to see them that way. And it just taps into the right part of the brain. Yeah. Merritt uh, and, and Rich, one thing that I think I'm getting from this, are you open to is although there are sales opportunities everywhere, um, and I love the optimistic view of it. It is definitely a qualifier to know if you're in the right spot at the right time. And, and what came to me uh, is if I synthesize this and, and help me, you know, fix, uh, realign these, Merritt, if you can, or add to it. But if I was to say, what are the steps that, you know, the key steps to getting selected, right? I would say, one, you need to open their mind to receive the value which thus the question, I love that. Two, meet them where they are. If they're closed-minded on this, maybe they're open on something else. Maybe they're just closed altogether and you should move on to the next person. And three, ask great questions. Those are the three things that I'm kind of pulling together. If you want to get selected, open their mind, receive value, meet them where they are and ask great questions. Yes. What would you add to or realign or change? Is there a fourth one? Or would those be the three keys from merit on the three keys to getting selected? Um, I, w- I will add one to that, which is um, establishing uh, agreement, like an expectation that it's a dialogue, that you've got permission to ask questions, particularly in areas where you may feel um, a little apprehensive. Like, okay. Um, we teach people what we call our plan, P-L-A-N, purpose, logistics, agenda, next steps. So you set sort of a framework. So it would be, you know, first I want to open their mind to the possibility of hearing these, hearing, having the conversation. Then I want to set a plan so that we're both clear about the, how this works. And, you know, first we're going to have a conversation. We're going to ask and answer each other's questions. We'll talk for about a half an hour. Does all that sound good to you? So you're getting agreement. It's a dialogue. Then you don't have to feel the pressure of like talking really fast or trying to shove on all of your value. Um, And then at the end, you, you know, you're also establishing like, and at some point it might make sense for us to talk about other people you're going to involve in the decision-making process or, you know, how you set budgets for things like this, or, um, you know, and, and if we like each other's answers, you know, let's talk about what a good next step is, Okay. you know? And so you have that, you set that expectation and get agreement up front, and then you can go into more of the right questions to qualify or disqualify the opportunity. So, qualifying for for the problem that they have and and that you actually do have a, a appropriate solution for that qualifying for the the investment that they're able and willing to make in in a solution to their problem 
And then qualifying for, you know, the, not just who are the decision makers, but what's their process and how long does it take? And, you know, where else in the organization? So there's a lot of questions that go into that step. And then, but, but that's the only piece I would add to your approach. So the A, the A and the acronym of plan is agreement. Agenda. Is that correct? Agenda, agenda. agenda. Okay. So, so purpose, logistics, agenda, next steps is the acronym plan. And when I asked you, is there another key you should add to being open-minded, meet them where they are and ask great questions. I synthesize what you said is to establish trust. Is that fair? Establish yeah, it, trust between you and, and the potential prospect? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, and it's, it's very much uh, I, the podcast that you did um, with the gentleman who talked about trust and the bridge and all of that. I think, you know, that's uh, for, if you haven't listened to that one, that was a great episode. Um, And I just feel like establishing trust is not some, like, you can't just say to somebody, you know, you can trust me, right? Yes. Those are the last people we trust. Um, But it's demonstrating with Mm -hmm. evidence of that you're somebody that is not going to fast forward this sales process to try to sell whatever you think you want them to buy. And so it's how you conduct yourself. It's why asking questions like, are you open to and meeting them where they are and establishing that plan are all really designed deliberately to bring down someone's defense wall. So people who aren't in a traditional sales role who are, afraid of feeling like they're being pushy or they're going to be trained in some manipulation tactic. Um, They really like that, you know, the part of what we're training is to help people bring down the defense wall so that they don't feel like they're manipulated. And while it is technically a technique, you would learn to create that environment and context for someone it's really all, it's coming from a good place, right? You're going to use your powers for good, not for evil. You're not learning sales techniques to manipulate. You're learning techniques to help someone um, lower the defense wall so they can have a real conversation so that you're not manipulating them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love it. And and Merit, I, I was looking through your bio and you have such an amazing name for the industry you're in because the word merit, I've seen you do plays on it different ways. Are you open to me asking you about the book of merit? Sure. Yes. I, I love talking about that. So, um, and true, true fun fact. I actually once dated a gentleman whose last name was Worthy. Merit so worthy. <laughs> I could have been merit worthy. That would have been awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So book of merit is a one woman inspiring comedy show that I wrote um, to celebrate my 50th birthday. And the idea is that I literally rewrote my entire life story through the lens of a stand-up comedian. Wow. And I think, you know, you get to 50, you've, we've all experienced ups and downs. We've had health issues and relationships issues and business issues and all the things. And so um, it really was an expression where I got to mine my whole life story for the people who were most influential, the lessons that I learned, the, the things that made me laugh, the people that, that uh, were important. And I wove it all together um, into this one woman show that I will be taking back on the road. I'm going to be performing. I'm, I'm working with a, a very talented comedian veteran who is um, well known in the industry. I have to get permission before I just name drop. No problem. No problem. She's uh, produced those on Showtime. And so she's taken wow. on my project to um, help me tighten up the script a little bit. And we're going to tour the show. So added little benefit if your uh, audience um I'll give them a little uh we'll we'll give them a link to go to to get some business tools but if you put your name on that list I will add you to the list of uh you know so you'll be on the in the know when I take the show on the road and perform it again that sounds like so much fun and and I know you also have a book uh, myth shift uh, that you put out a couple of years ago, I believe uh, I'm assuming along the same philosophies of everything we talked about here today is that correct 
Yeah, um, I think it's it's funny. I heard one. So I published that book in 2016. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody recently told me, go back and reread the last chapter of your book, the last chapter that you wrote, which happened yeah. to be the last chapter in the book. And when I did that, I realized that was the closest to what I'm doing now. Um, because in that process, if you if you've ever written a book, you kind of get to that point and, and your ideas and your experience and things evolve. Right. And and the things that I wrote about in that last piece, which was the chapter on um, what I call redeciding, which is, you know, you make decisions based on the information you have in that moment. And then as any entrepreneur as well, well knows new information comes into play that sure. may render those initial decisions irrelevant or costly and difficult, yep. you know, the wrong mis- the decision. And so instead of just like sort of changing your mind, which has a bad sort of connotation to it, I played with the term redecide, which is based on this information that I had at the time, that was the right decision. Now I have some new information. I'm going to redecide my position on this. And here's the new action we're going to take. And um, so myth shift, challenging the truths that sabotage success. That was the name of the 2016 book. And uh, the new one is in the works, but we'll see. We'll see for sure. Merritt, thank you very much for your time. A lot of great tidbits of information here. And please start your salespeople on Fridays. I love that feedback. I hope everybody takes that one as well, along with all the other tips you gave us here today. So best of luck to you and look forward to actually seeing your show someday. Thank you, Merritt. Yes. Catch the show. I'm sure in your show notes, we can put the link, but it's MerrittCon.com, M-E-R-I-T-K-A-H-N. And then if you put a .com forward slash podcast, okay, you'll get um, access to uh, some resources uh, that complement some of the things that we talked about today and a SWOT analysis. We do a sales mm. SWOT. So it'll Love be a that. good opportunity for you to see where some of the blind spots are in your business. And I'll give you some actual one-on-one feedback of what you can do to wow. improve. Um, I know we can't promise right. that forever, but right now we, we just started offering that. So it's not, we're not over flooded yet. Um, so one-on-one, not a boilerplate response, but actual feedback for me. Wow, what a gift. Thank you very much for your time and for Thank that you. gift. Much appreciated. Please stick around for a few more minutes while Rich and I break down this episode. The first step to a closed deal is an open mind. Would you be or are you open to? Uh, I called it brilliant when Merritt was on and behind her back. I'll call it brilliant again. I think that is brilliant. I think it's great. Are you open to? And I think generally as a salesperson, it's are you open to a conversation or are you open to learning more about? And I think the way that's positioned really helps someone identify their genuine level of openness. And as I said, if they're not open, allow them to identify themselves early so that you could save yourself time and them time. Yep. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a big piece. Like a lot of salespeople now are scorecarding their prospects in the interest of spending more time with prospects that are more viable for doing business together than not. And by just simply asking that question, you'll probably get honesty from people. Uh, She gave us a really good example. I'm not really open because we just signed a contract with somebody else. So I'd be wasting your time, right? That's not because they're a bad person. They're giving you honest transparency right off the bat, which I would love to get rather than spending hours and traveling to try and get their business to find out I'm not going to get it anyway. But that's that's a really good way to approach it. But then on top of that, it just it's so welcoming. It's just a very welcoming, are you open? I want to be respectful of you. Uh, and if you are, you're almost giving me permission to tell you more about my product and service. So I really love that. It's easy to see why she has a keynote on it. Yeah, no question. I love it. The four words. Um, and the thing that really struck me too, that, you know, she was talking really throughout this about a new age of sales, right? It's don't sell because that's sleazy, get selected. And the way you get selected is you open up these doors of trust. But the one thing that struck with me as something that most of the top salespeople I've ever worked with do really, really well is they meet people where they are. And I love, she gave a really example earlier about you know, are, are, do you, you know, are you assertive or do you have too much empathy or where's that balance of meeting people where they are and understanding where they are. And 
Um, you know, uh, uh, Mike Hirsch, who you know very well, uh, CEO of, of one of our companies, you know, the one thing he does really well is he calls his client just to check in on them and say hi. Not to check in and go, oh, you want to hear see my product of the month? Uh, like just checking in and say, hey, how things are going? I saw there's a flood in Texas. How, how are things? I'm just checking in, like just building that because he genuinely likes them. And then they genuinely select him to do business with because it's just that meeting people where they are, be empathetic, but also if they want to talk about your service, you're assertive about what you can do and you know you can do the best at it. So that whole meet customers and prospects where they are kind of struck a chord with me that most top salespeople I've ever worked with do that really, really well. Well, and you're right. Mike's always been good at uh, demonstrating that he really cares before he tells somebody that he wants them to be a customer. I mean, it comes back to that uh, old phrase of nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. And Mike's yep, a great like example that. of that. Um, I love that definition that uh, Merrick gave us on emotional intelligence. It yep. reminds me, and I'll repeat it in just a moment, but it reminds me of uh, a consultant that I've used that he has a best definition, I think, on uh, strategy. And it's concise. What is strategy? And he says it's an allocation of scarce resources. Boom. Done. I have that for merit now. Somebody says, what is emotional intelligence? Well, it's how well you understand your own emotions and the impact they have on other people. That is sweet and concise and memorable and accurate. And I'm so glad that she shared that with us. It's uh, I do think emotional intelligence is incredibly important. And I have personally found it difficult to describe. And now I have words for it. Yeah, I'd also say, you know, performance mindset is big, but in business, they, you know, in business school, in college, I'm they should be teaching emotional intelligence. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Um, way too it's many like they times. should teach finance in high school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like they should but, teach some of these things that are real life skills at some yeah, point along the educational because you, journey. You, just on emotional intelligence alone, I just gave you an example of. Most top salespeople I've ever worked with are really, really good at meeting customers where they are. Most salespeople or sales leaders, and I'll even say entrepreneurs that I've seen really, really struggle in their craft is when they don't have the emotional intelligence. They aren't able to get a handle on their emotions and how their emotions really affect their team even more so. And uh, that's, that really is a limiting factor in their ability to execute their goals. So I love that definition as well. And I love the way it dives into performance mindset, that your performance mindset needs to be internal, behavioral, and emotional. Uh, so, you know, you have to have those three really, uh, you know, flying on all cylinders in order to have strong performance mindset in your craft and what you're trying to accomplish. You know, one of the things we didn't spend... Uh a lot of time on, but struck me was when she was talking about values and culture when onboarding, I'm sure not just a salesperson, but uh, any new person to the business yep. that she talked about providing evidence. Don't just, she didn't say this exactly, but basically she said, don't just have the poster on the wall, act like it, provide evidence of what your culture is instead of just talk about what your culture is. And the power of that and making that memorable on that first day, which should be a Friday. Yeah. I mean, the tips we got there. I mean, are you open to me asking you if you've ever had a perfect onboarding experience? Mm. I, mean, per I mean, perfect. I mean, no one's perfect. And just there alone, I, I have messed this up so many times, Rich. I mean... The amount of times that I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Monday and Rich is starting today. Oh my God, um, I, I'm not ready. I got a call. Uh, go to HR. Just go get your paperwork done. It'll buy me an hour or two for, you know, before I figure out what I need to do with you next, right? Um, we messed this up so bad as a, just a society. The ability to just onboard someone the best way. And, and what she reminded me of too, my most successful onboardings accidentally, not because this was intentional, but I, I, I like the idea of intentionality going forward, 
is when I've had, not forget salespeople, when I've had team members, new team members start the week of or right in and around an annual conference for the company. They come to the annual conference. They don't know anybody. They don't know anything. They get completely jazzed up because they're hanging out with their colleagues the whole time. They get to meet everybody in the company, especially if you have people across the, the country, right? They get to meet everybody. Uh, they get back to the office and they're like, I love this company. This is awesome, right? Uh, and, and what a great sim similar philosophy is start them on a Friday. Have fun. Do a team building experience. Let them over the weekend go back home and tell their family about how awesome this was. Um, it's, it's so important. It's so simple. It's so simple. Um, and I really believe that Merit can help companies just really get a return on investment right there, which is, why, which is why I think she focuses on that a little bit is get those people started on the right foot, get them fully engaged in the business and performing. Now it's an investment, not a cost. Now you'll want to hire more salespeople and your sales will keep growing and we rinse, repeat, we keep going and, and have success with that process. One. Starting somebody at an annual conference or starting somebody on a Friday are examples of a culture first onboarding process, Yep, which she highlighted well and is so important.